founders. Welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. Okay, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are joined by the legendary athlete and entrepreneur, Nate Hibble. Nate began his football career as a redshirt at the University of Georgia before transferring to the University of Oklahoma and leading the Sooners to two Big 12 championship titles. Nate then moved up to the NFL, where he played for the Browns and the Jaguars. Today, though, Nate is the founder of Gusto, an Atlanta-based health food experience with seven stores open across the city. Nate runs his restaurants with a different philosophy than most in the restaurant industry. He believes in investing in people is the healthiest way to run your business and produce the best results. Nate Hibble, we're so glad you're on the podcast. Welcome, my friend. Absolutely. I'm thrilled to be here. Man, this is a treat because you're talking to two people who were also in college uh, around that time. We started uh, at Clemson in 2003. And so uh, your career was right around the time that we were really paying attention to college football and especially attended a university that sucked at football <laughs> as, as the ones that you attended uh, were not sucking at football. Uh, so I'm just curious, man, like what was first just uh, to geek out a second, what was that experience like for you playing college football at that level? Well, um, <clears throat> I guess first and foremost, you guys don't suck anymore. You know, that's yeah. right. Brent Brent Venables, your defensive coordinator, was a linebacker coach at Oklahoma when I was there. Nice. Um, so, uh, did you know that he was going to be who he is right now? No, but I did go see him a couple years ago, and and I think it's interesting when you when you find a guy who's arguably one of the best at what he does and and isn't necessarily looking for the next step. You know, yeah, um, yeah. he was he was happy in Clemson. He was happy living on the lake. He was happy with his family life. And it's I think it's rare when you get those Barry Sanders type moments where people are like, I'm content and I yeah. can I can not uh, keep Climb the ladder fighting for what's next and what's bigger. But um, I appreciate the intro. I'm certainly not legendary. I, I uh I'm from a, a small town in South Georgia, Hazelhurst, Georgia, 3,000 people. Um, and uh, I always thought I was going to be a, a, a golfer. My brother and I, huh, my, yeah. bro- my brother's a head, head men's golf coach at OU, uh, not strangely enough now. Um, huh. And uh, uh, I, I had dreams of, of playing on the PGA Tour. That, that was most of my life, but yeah all of a sudden i was six four two fifteen and and had an arm and um it's hard to not want to go to the university of georgia growing up in in south georgia and you know want to be that guy um but very long story short um it didn't work out there and and uh randomly got hooked up with mike leach um who yeah um i could I, we we could go down a rabbit hole of of yeah. honestly Bob Stoops's hiring of Mike Leach out at OU completely changed the Big Twelve, um, and, yeah. and that that was the beginning of uh, the end. No, that was the beginning of <laughs> that was the beginning of honestly change and 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 instead of running the the wing tee out there with all the Big Twelve uh, 
schools. Uh, that was the beginning. Now, Mike, Mike Leach only stayed with us for a year and I had three, three different offensive coordinators in, in, in the three years I was there, but I didn't even know where Oklahoma was on a map. I was just yep. frankly chasing opportunity and a young, sure. you know, naive kid and, and, uh, had some, it was fun. It was fun learning a little bit about that part of the country. Um, and we part of reawakening a giant OU football is legendary and has a story, um, past yeah. won a lot of championships and I'm, I'm, you know, honored to, to, to have a really small part of that. Um, and then, um, lived in Cleveland for three years. I was on and off the regular squad practice squad. You get hired, you get fired, you get hired, you get fired. But, Man. um, it was also really, really fun. Um, I, I didn't care that we weren't a very good team. I played behind Tim couch and Kelly Holcomb. And Kelly Holcomb is actually one of my investors at Gusto now. No. Yep. And uh, and then then I ended up with Jacksonville for a brief stint, uh, on and off for one year, and um, ended up uh, my college sweetheart and I ended up back in Atlanta, and I'm faced with with kind of the open ended question that a lot of athletes that have been doing the same thing for 20 years of their life, staring yeah. at this void. Uh, some would say avoid, some would say opportunity, right? But but it's it's, yeah. scary, it's it's scary, frankly. Sure. Yeah. So what did go through your mind when you said, "Hey, I, you know, I feel like I'm coming to the end of this of this road in this chapter of my career." Uh, did you immediately have kind of entrepreneurial desires? Did it? Were there some kind of wandering around, wondering what to do for a while? Period. Yeah, I had no idea. I mean, I I think there's a big. Um, need honestly for for therapy psychotherapy for you know it's not as strong as mili like coming out of the military but for those mm -hmm. of us that have been in program for a long long time it's like i said it's daunting it's scary and i think most folks would be like cry me a river you spoiled brat you've you know you've you've been on tv you've had you know but we're humans right. too and um uh when i first got done you know, being an athlete, I, I had no idea. I did the typical, let me go sit down with real estate, bankers. Um, what are these things that pe people that walk, talk, and look like me should be doing? Right, well, right. You know, and when you have a name or you're a former athlete that, 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 that might be leveraged, um, I did the typical interviews, but I think it was somewhere in there I realized that, that I was not meant to be normal. And I ended up joining a small company that sold uh, low voltage. I knew nothing about the industry, but I, I knew that I liked these two, two gentlemen that were growing this company. It was the third one that they've grown and sold and they made a lot of money, but it wasn't about the money. It was about wearing what you want to work being, you know, being friends with your teammates and, and colleagues, um, bringing a dog to work. And there was something about that. So um, I joined a, a small company called One Path Systems, random low voltage company in Marietta. And I had no idea at the time, but I was, I, it was preparing me for things that I've been living out um, in a completely different industry, but and it's weird to go, go back. That was, that was eight, nine, 10 years ago. The last, the last six years have felt like 60. Um, so yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of, it's, 
there, 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 there's a lot to, to sort through, but I guess long story short, I worked for a couple years for a small business and, and a couple small business owners and uh, a dream of was brewing in there. Mm. And at first, was it specific to, to gusto and what you're doing now, or was it just the dream, like you said, of working for yourself, being able to create a culture, uh, kind of go by the beat of your own drum? I think there was a romance associated with, you know, going by the beat of your own drum. I think you read enough magazines and the, the idea of playing ping pong and drinking high gravity beer 10 years ago on an airplane, <laughs> you know, that is romantic, but very few do it and, and can do it well and have done it successfully. Um, it's, it's really hard to, to, to get to the, all the details of where gusto came from but i usually i usually say that somewhere in there um i fell in love i, I started studying brands um in the fast casual space um and i really set out to invent what i wanted as a consumer mm. um most of my life I, I i was searching for grilled chicken flavored a bunch of different ways and served fast and you would think that that wouldn't be that hard to find, but grilled chicken served fast and flavored a bunch of different ways. Um, it just didn't exist. So I had this nugget and it wouldn't go away. And unfortunately, I knew nothing about restaurants. I knew nothing about food. I knew nothing about branding, let alone marketing, accounting, real estate, finance, all, all these other things. Mm. And so... I, I was going, this is uh, the recession, 2009, 2010. I was going through a divorce. Life was flipped upside down. And I just took it as a moment to chase a new destiny. Um, and I straight up started writing business plans and, and, and working on an idea on sketch pads and whiteboards. And all the while, <clears throat> trial and error, and, trial and arrow erroring uh you know in the kitchen um that i was trying to short sell because i was about to lose all the money i had uh, wow. um yeah so life was at the bottom this was not a former football player that's opening a restaurant to sit at the bar and hang out with his buddies like i i had a a vision and i was not going to be stopped and it took me four five six years to get it off the ground and Along the way, I lost touch with a lot of friends, a lot of family members. I really just went into this deep entrepreneurial dive. And honestly, a lot of my, my family was like, what's happened to our, our guy? Um, <laughs> I, I, he's gone, you yeah. know, like he, he, he should be doing more. He should be selling real estate wow. and, and starting a family. He should be, you know, but I just... I just went down this other path and, and emerged on the other side, 2014 with grand opening of this brand called Gusto, but there, there's a lot of juice in between there. Mm, wow. So you said it was four or five years from the time you started workshopping it to actually the grand opening. Is that right? Four to six. Yeah. I mean, I had to, I had to whittle down the actual idea. Um, I mean, I, I would, uh, I had a big green egg at my house and 
and was the, the, the foundation was grilled chicken, as I said already, and I started with dry rubs, and then I moved to marinades, and then I moved to um, these toppings, if you will, and, and I realized that you could put these flavors a bunch of different ways um, on hamburgers, on hot dogs, on on different types of protein and all over the world, um, all like truly all over the world, um, societies have some type of grilled protein, some type of fruit or vegetable and some type of signature sauce, frankly. Yeah. And I just yeah. started connecting these dots and it was through millions of Google searches and ripping out magazine pages and studying recipes and failing and failing and failing and failing. And, mm. um, meanwhile, I, you know, I think the theme of entrepreneurial hustle for me is if you're moving and you're always moving and you have a growth mindset, um, the right dots connect. Mm. Um, but you got to be willing to keep moving and you got to be willing to have a growth mindset. And that it doesn't always give you the answers you're looking for here, mm. but it goes from here to here and here to here and here to here and here to here. But it, you know, it's it's very hard to do that if you have a family. It's very hard to do that if you care about money. And I drove a minivan and and didn't. I, I really just didn't give a damn about uh, what I was looking like, feeling like, my place in society. So I was a little bohemian there for a bunch of years. Um, <laughs> yes. And uh, the, the, I actually miss, I, I miss those days. And again, when you're when you're six four, two twenty five, blonde hair, blue eyed guy, that could, um, in theory, go get a another job. I think it's a little backwards and a little disarming mm. um, when people hear this story. And it's not for everybody. But uh, to answer your question, I was working on and quote unquote inventing the product in the in, in through several kitchens. Um working on and inventing this brand and the, the name and the color and the, and the voice and the tone and the, the, you know, the, the communication of the idea behind closed doors. And I had to go work in the industry. I, I knew nothing about restaurants. So <laughs> I went and jumped in a sushi place called Maki Fresh was my first job ever uh, in Buckhead. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I you know, immediately was immersed into kitchen life and, and, you know, doing dishes and cleaning tables and sweeping floors and dealing with customer problems and, and learning, learning Spanish. I mean, I, there, there was all these, all these new boxes that I knew nothing about um, that is very, very uh, touches uh, on the nerve of, uh, you know, new Americana, if you will. And, I went and basically worked at four or five different restaurants in a span of two or three years. And of course, you know, that was making very little money, but mm -hmm. I was just a sponge. Um, so inventing the product itself, working on the brand and, and working in the industry, uh, all that culminated with um, finding the right attorney and, uh, driving around truly with hat in hand and raise $600,000 to, to open that first shop. Wow, man. So there's a special kind of hell 
that the the wilderness of those first few years I know can be. Um, and you you touched on it just for a minute that it's felt like sixty years, right? Um, and I just think about like again going from something maybe that's so clear like sport, right? Where the next progression or the the game and the skills you're learning, and then the adulation you get and the identity you have, and then you dive into this entrepreneurial world that your family doesn't quite understand that maybe friends don't quite understand and you don't even understand. Right. I imagine it being like a wilderness, like you said, where you're, you're wandering this way and you think it might look like this. And then it looks like this. What did you, what was it? One, what was it like? And then two, what were some of the things you had to develop to succeed there? Cause I imagine, actually, I know many die in that, in that place, right. At least in terms of belief or entrepreneurialism, that's where a lot of great ideas go to die is that six year period that you were in. You know, like I said, it is hellish. It's also romantic for me because there were no rules. I wasn't held accountable to like society standards. I, I worked when I wanted to work. I, there were dark nights of drinking way too much whiskey, you know, truly like sulking on where I was in life. All that is very real and true. And you hear those stories. Um, you know, I never, I never doubted the fact that it was going to happen. I, I don't know how to describe that, but yeah. mm-hmm. I wasn't going to take no for an answer. And a lot of the gifts I've been, you know, given by God, and that maybe that's the background or or some talents. I just I, I had a fear that whatever I was trying to get out of me. If it didn't happen, that I was going to be um, um, a failure, you know, in life. Mm. Um, mm. So I don't know. I, I had this inner motivation, and I wasn't going to take no for an answer. And I knew that um, I was going to come out on the other side. And again, sometimes I miss those times because. Now I have 300 team members and I'm leading a company and leading a brand and there are new frontiers and it's humbling all day, every day. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes I miss, I romanticize about, you know, being in the lab, uh, which was the kitchen and and being behind and being on the whiteboard. And really I say inventing because it's, it's hard to be original and, um, a lot of folks truly were like, is this a chain out of California? What would it, you know, and it's also hard to invent a brand, meaning it wasn't, yeah. wasn't ever, I had to start with one location, but it wasn't ever intended to just be a restaurant, right? It was, yeah. it was intended to be scaled, grown from the get go. Um, but hmm. letting go of control early on was, I, I almost, I guess the best way I can describe it, guys, and I don't know if I'm answering your question, is this is, I've never had a kid, but it feels like having a kid. It feels like a dude's version of creating a life, a kid. And the obsession and the control uh, that a dad has over Little League, like I have yeah, all yeah. the, you know, and letting go and letting go and letting go that is a very, very hard thing to do. And when you've invented or, or made or birthed this unique and original idea, it's a damn weird thing to describe, man. I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's a really strange thing to describe. 
Yeah. Well, two things uh, going back to one, because you mentioned it earlier, you mentioned that growth mindset. I believe that's got to be such a positive thing to that that didn't actually leave you when you went into your, your time of the wilderness of going, where, where'd Nate go? It actually, that actually stood with you. Never once did I doubt that I was going to succeed. It's like, that's just growth mindset DNA that's there. Yeah. Fixed mindset's like, oh man, the, the first failure you have, you know, much less, they don't even probably ever step into to the place that you did, even believing they could succeed. But the first failure, they're just out. They're like, well, I failed and, and that's it. And just that thought of like, man, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a scientist. You know, I think mm. Drew and I love that mindset of like, hey, let's just go be a scientist about our business, about your problems. If we're coaching somebody, like, let's just go into the lab and see what we come out. And I love that uh, even in your entrepreneurial journey. And then the other one with the, the kid uh, and thinking about your business as, as kind of a child, there's this uh, phrase that I literally was just talking to a, a team member of ours with yesterday. And it's one of the it's one of the things that makes us we're we're very curious with founders. You know, we we're, we're interviewing founders on this podcast, but one of the things that I think is a founder's trap is um, at some point they've got to make sure they they detach themselves and they're able to ask the question, uh, "What do I want versus what does the business want?" Like they actually actually have to treat the business uh, like its own like it's its own entity, like it's its own child. And it has to start, you know, it has its own needs. And sometimes its needs aren't the ones that we have. And I think that's an interesting challenge and in how you kind of depict it towards like, yeah, there's this baby there. And I'm figuring out how do I how do I raise this thing while also, you know, the separation of there's things that I want to do right now and, and my learning journey and what I'm supposed to be going on versus what the business needs to learn right now and what the business needs to do. Uh, I find that that sometimes those those paths diverge for the entrepreneurial founder at some point um, where they got to have a little bit of that detachment, which is probably, you know, you're on the back end of that five years of starting gusto. That probably is what you're, you're experiencing right now would be my, my guess. It's, it's taken me a couple years to detach myself. And one way that I describe it is, um, so I'm a creative guy. I'm a passionate yeah. guy. I've, 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 I didn't know all this because it kind of went in hibernation being an athlete and yeah. no, nobody says you can't be a saxophone player or a, or a, an artist and be a football player. But in my mind, and in most of society's mind, uh, that those don't go together, right? Right. right. So um, I wish, you know, it's silly to regret, but I, I, I getting getting the brand separated from Nate has taken me a couple years, to your point. It's taken me a couple consultants, but getting it out of my brain and out of my heart and like truly like getting uh, Voldemort out of Harry Potter, like getting out, like I got to get it, like get this thing out of, of, of me so that I can scale. I can't be everywhere. And, and mm -hmm. you know, um, w one thing that, that you said triggered, and I, I do want to put it out there because aside from trying to invent something I wanted as a, as a customer who was somebody who paid attention to what the, he ate. Um, yeah. And aside from a personal mission of recreating my life and, and purpose, and I guess being important uh, and, and being, a, being mentioned in different category than Nate Hibble, former football player, that that's what I've been my whole life. And I just, yeah, I felt like I was meant for other things, but um, 
I do want to touch on something that one of the reasons I was, I was able to stay fueled through the process, through that hellish process of creation and being poor and, 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 you know, broken relationships and that, that journey, one of the twinkles in my eye that would not go away was, um, uh, my former relationship, my ex-wife, uh, she was Lebanese and her family out in Oklahoma, they really blew the top off my head in terms of food. And that was uh, lemon and garlic and dill and yogurt and just not being afraid of trying things. And mm. I, I guess over time, I was naturally finding myself more and more adventurous and less afraid of ginger and and mango and basil and and parsley and ways to do this. And I say that because I call it an, an awakening and, and, and that realization of awakening and the, and the relentless pursuit of trying to understand cuisine and Israel and Japan and Peru. And I fell in love with the study so while I was in the lab inventing in the kitchen and by the whiteboard working on brand, um, I, it, it truly is a story of passion and, and gusto means passion. Gusto actually mm. means verve. It means moxie. It means um, pizzazz. It means oomph, panache. Uh, and I fell in love with um big flavors and that is a part of my personality and the reason why it's important guys is because the future of gusto is likely drive throughable it's our model is changing a little bit and i think we have a chance to be a part of better fast food if you will mm -hmm. yes and a big part of my mission even 10 years ago was I truly believe most people like most things. They just got to get out of their own way. And it's not condescending. I have to be very careful. You know, there's a reason why I didn't like Brussels sprouts and spinach and, and <laughs> purple cabbage and stuff growing up is a, a lot of it came out of a, a, a can of Piggly Wiggly and, and Hazelhurst. And my yeah. mom and dad are from Iowa. They're meat and potatoes guys. But I think we are on it's been happening for quite some time, but we're continue to be on the verge of Americans waking up to, um, you know, vinegar in a different way and dill and, and, and cilantro and, um, mm. not being afraid of snow peas and not being afraid of. And I think that I don't, Gusto's not going to end up being just like an in town trendy concept. I want it to be potentially a, a, a gateway or a filter for food discovery mm. and it's not high end, but if I can get, you know, Joe, the electrician who's never tried Korean barbecue in his life to eat, you know, our version of that and, and, and understand that what gochujang uh, as a fermented chili paste made it taste funky and it doesn't <laughs> taste like Casey masterpiece. Um, <laughs> it is a, I mean, it's it's a bold and audacious thing to say, but I mean, it, food can yeah. connect the world and it can um, break down those barriers. So I, I just did a big 360, but, you know, yeah. food discovery 
that was really the idea. Yes, I wanted to recreate myself. Yes, I was passionate. Yes, I was willing to take no for an answer many, 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 many times. And I was willing to be poor. But I think the thing that kept picking me up by my bootstraps was the fact that America and the younger generations, they're ready for uh, these discoveries. And um, they can tie to healthy, but we talk about flavor. And um, that's the most exciting thing for me is the notion of introducing somebody when they walk up to the counter, you know, and it's like, oh, here they go. They, you know, they got a problem, but they're like, you know, holy shit, man, I've never had a mango in my life, but I, you know, um, (laughs) you know, this actually is good. And I had those moments for years and years and years. I just want to share that. Yes. Yes. Oh man. I can't get over the, the synchronicity between what you were going through personally and what the overflow of that being your business became as well. Right. So if you think about the, the expanding of your identity, right. The discovering of who else you are, right. Where it's like, yeah, there is this side of me that was a competitor, an athlete, a run of the mill, you know, college athlete guy to, uh, somebody who is now an entrepreneur who is discovering their creative side, who's discovering, uh, their mm-hmm. capabilities and capacities. And you're doing the same thing with food, right? So like the, the natural yeah. overflow is like, man, I want other people to experience. They could also like this, that they're yeah. not just in salt and butter, but there might be spices and foods they've never tried. Have you noticed that synchronicity between that journey? Yeah, man. I mean, this it's going to sound corny, but I, I call it kind of food and technicolor. And, and it's um, mm. the Wizard of Oz is my favorite movie. Is the Dorothy opens that door and yes. everything's in color. And yeah, uh, again, it's not condescending, and it's not saying you're bad, but it, it's just when I see that that plate of brown, when I see you fried this and fried this and bread and French fries and all, again, take you know audience can take it for, for, for how they will. But I I just think that getting colorful that is definitely made for our bodies, um, in there Mm. in in a, in a approachable fashion is, uh, you know, I think Gusto's magic. And, um, I didn't realize I would become a study of food. I didn't realize I would become uh, a study of, pickling and fermentation and the fact that everybody has a hot sauce but this one's green and this one's yellow and this one's red and this one's called this and this one's called this and this Mm. one's called this and the fact that curry is not just a mccormick's powder on the public shelf it's it's (laughs) it's curry's a a different recipe in households all over india so um it's the 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 story is too damn big but i I was trying to come up with Gusto is a version of putting flavor on the head of a pen. And um, our menu takes you kind of in an American way to the Mediterranean, to um, the Southwest, to, uh, you know, certain Asian cultures. And we do it our own way. But I think the story is much bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One, just to you know, relate to you. So my, uh, my mother-in-law uh, remarried and uh, he is Lebanese. Yeah. And uh, Jerry, and that has been such a gift to have that guy in our family. 
um, celebrating 10 years of marriage over here. And it is, I just love the Lebanese culture. And uh, there's a great Lebanese restaurant in Nashville, a piece. I'm not sure if that's how you say it. E-P-I-C-E, great Lebanese restaurant. Um, but I think that journey has gotten us into so much. So he, he happens to work here in Greenville and he's really tied into the Greek community. And so we've gotten to really get to know the Greek community and those people who have this rich tradition in their community. And it has been an incredible um, exploration of just being able to explore food. And I think uh, for me, the five years that my wife and I lived in Atlanta, um, that was a great thing about our cities is our cities give us chances to experience broad cultures. And I think that is something that um, if we tie that to the need that I already feel, because I got a little two-year-old right now, and I prefer to go through drive-throughs and to give my wife a break from, you know, raising the kid. But my only option is the Chick-fil-A or the PDQ or the Schlotzky's right now are like, it's just, there's no, it's like, well, Chipotle, I'm going to have to go inside, I guess, you know, that to me is like, and there's limited options there. I love the, the thought of that fit in the fast casual because I'm going, man, Absolutely. where is that option for me right now? Yeah, well, I, I there we 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 have <clears throat> the fifth version. I finally got it out of my system. The fifth the fifth version of Gusto is in Shambly, and it has a drive through. So if anybody's near Shambly, Georgia, which is kind of north, just yeah. north, north of Buckhead and north of Brookhaven, that is the future of our model. And um, while while we take away some choice, that that was kind of the 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 ballsy part of this equation was that mm. I could have come out with another build your own salad place or build your own whatever, yeah. but I invented these very specific flavor profiles that you can only kind of modify. And, yeah. but while we take away some of that choice, we can replace it with speed, which is why it's drive throughable. Um, and yeah. then, it, you know, the, the other thing I would say about small town America, uh, which was another data point that I just could when you when you talk about Greek, I couldn't shake the fact that even if I go to every 20 minutes, there's a small town in South Georgia. Um, but the one thing that they all have, every one of those towns, um, yeah, they got 10 country kitchens, you know, with the double K action and the, and, you know, and yep. those are lovely places to go have breakfast and, and see the community, you know, nothing against that, but this is new American, you know, discovery. And mm -hmm. it, it's, it doesn't come with judgment. For me, it's more like, come with me, you know, like, you know, come it's not we're better than it's come with me let yes. me show you why the lebanese neighbor the greek neighbor it's hard to hate it's hard to discriminate it's harder to to uh look at our differences when you fall in love with kalamata olives or feta uh, you know it's just like hang on a second you know this hot dog and grilled cheese just aren't um there, there's there there may be more out there that doesn't, that doesn't pull every human being you know and it is what it is but the data point that i was trying to to pull back to was the fact that in almost every one of those small towns in south georgia they all have a mexican restaurant that tons it and they all have an, a japanese or an asian restaurant that tons it and those are like the best restaurants in town you know yes. 
So <laughs> I realized and connected the dots that, and maybe a Greek, um, that's kind of like the next wave is like a Mediterranean mm-hmm. restaurant that's, that's less scary and more approachable. So those were data points to me to say that, that even in small town USA, they weren't afraid of it. Now they may be using heavy mayo a little, you know, uh, yeah. uh, a little less authentically than, than straight up sushi from J- Japan, but there is an, there is a gateway to discovery there. And, and we're yeah. looking, I, I think folks are seeking flavor, you know, and that's again, what we try to stand for at Gusto. Yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll let Drew kind of keep us moving on. But one of the things that I just hear is uh, the passion for the brand. And we talked through that of like truly the passion for passion, the passion for flavor through the Gusto brand and, and your discovery of, of what that brand is going to be. I think that's awesome. Passion for the product. And then even your decision to be passionate about the industry of going, I'm going to go into multiple restaurants. I'm going to learn what it's like to be in these restaurants. I'm going to think about how do we do it differently uh, I think that's powerful that I picked up earlier on when you mentioned brand product industry. You also went on your same, it seems like you went on your own journey to be really committed to those things. Um, I did. The, ne- the next thing in line was a passion for humans. And it yeah. just kind of lines up if the conversation can move in that direction because two, three, four years in, all of a sudden I'm leading a company with hundreds of yes. team members. Yes. And again, you, you, I find myself in socioeconomic uh, de- debates, questions, you know, language barriers. Um, uh, what kind of company do you want this to be? Do you want to draw some lines in the sand about who you are, about, uh, you know, I'll use religion as an example. Is You know, it's your prerogative as, as a business. You know, you can represent whoever you want or whatever you want. Um it may work for you. It may work against you. Um, but somewhere in there, a light bulb went off that we were, I was, I was, this was going to be strong enough to keep going and, and that we were in the really a human being business and not the food business. Mm. And I learned that or very early on in those kitchens where I realized that there was really poor leadership and really bad communication. And lack of respect i mean it just like kitchens all over the world yeah are, um people working for people working for people and um i don't know I, I i didn't like that part of it and i realized being a former quarterback a former leader of people um that uh yeah the quarterback's not the president the quarterback's not the ceo um the president's not the governor of the state of Oklahoma. So like I've had to learn how to be at the top, but I realized that trying to grow a company that, that leans into investing in our humans was the future that I want to embrace. I don't get a, I don't get a chance to talk about my passion for cilantro as much as you guys opened me up this morning. <laughs> Nowadays it's more about human beings because we can't function and we can't be who we want to be without them. So it's become, how do we become the most badass employer brand that we can become? And yeah. I think the Patagonias and the Whole Foods and the Starbucks and the Nikes have been doing that for a long time. And I, I think it's less trendy these days and almost mandatory moving forward for strong brands. But, you know, I've been falling in love with, I've, I love watching other people win. Um, and, and, and the, the notion that the, the rising tide, you know, raises, raises all, all boats, you know, just, it just makes sense. 
you know, race to the back of the line, lift everybody up. And it, it's maybe easier said than done, but that is kind of the challenge uh, for us as we grow right now. Absolutely. Yeah. This is definitely the direction I wanted to, to, to steer us into. And just as a side that it, it's not off topic, but I want to call this out. Are you, so are you familiar at all with uh, Joseph Campbell's theory of uh, the hero's journey? Vaguely. Okay. So he was a study of culture of people and a mythology and religion. And one of his theories um, was that if you look at the story that we keep telling, right, whether it's through religion or through popular storytelling through Allison, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, Alice in Wonderland would be an example of this, that they follow this very similar trajectory of a character arc. And that was deeply meaningful for me. I had a very similar experience to you in terms of leaving what was my known world, the identity I'd always had, and feeling invited into this journey, right? Mm-hmm. And it was often through the professional, it was actually through a professional avenue, but it involved so much more in me and who I was and how I saw myself. Um, but I just want to call that out real quick because yours is so clear, right? So he, <laughs> he, he gives it kind of this, this, this very simple, there's 12 stages, but you could break it down into three. The first is the ordinary world. So it's who you've always been, where you grew up, what you're known for, what your comfort zone is. And then he says there comes a moment where you're invited into an adventure. They call it the call of the adventure. And some people are thrust into it. Like Dorothy, her house was picked up by a tornado. Like tragedy pushes you into it. And others choose it. Like I, I feel it beckoning me and I go. And you go from the ordinary world to what he would call the special world. And the special world is the wilderness. It's the underbelly. It's, it's technicolor, right? But it's in that place that you go through trials and tribulations where you have to slay dragons, where you have to meet a mentor uh, who walks you through and shows you the way. But what's really special is what comes out of it. So he says stage three is where you come out different, but you come out with a gift to give to the world. So it's actually a circle back to a sense of the ordinary world, but you've come back to town different because of what you've been through and you come back with a gift. So it's not selfish in nature, right? The hero's journey isn't about like, what do I get? It's actually about what I became. And as a result of what I've become and what I've experienced and what I now know, here's actually my best gift I could give to the community that I'm a part of. And I see that it's like, man, I see that with gusto uh, coming to small towns, coming to Atlanta saying, I want to offer you flavor. I want to offer you culture. I want to offer now to my own employees. I want to change the restaurant industry. I want to be, uh, I value human beings from what I've been through. So I just want to just call that out real quick. Cause I think it's, if you haven't noticed that before, it might bring some meaning, even more meaning into what you've been through as how special this has been for you. Yeah. I want to, I thank you. Uh, it's a, it's a great, um, pullback. I, I need to go study that. I need to go invest some time, get down on my knees and give thanks, you know, because not everybody makes it out of there. Exactly. And, and it's not for the faint of heart. I mean, I've, I tried to get folks to join me early on and it's, it's hard to let go of that house and the kids and the, and, and the second house and the, that those, whatever those normal trajectories, I, I was willing to say, I'm, a, I'm okay being abnormal. And, um, you know, everybody's journey is different, but, you know, I think the gift that, that has been staring at me, I talk about flavor, but for me, it's, it's, it's more about, 
big picture is more about self-awareness, self-discovery. Yes. Like, um, you know, it's an interesting thing when I, I, I used to, I try to drag a couple of my guys from South Georgia up to Athens. And I just assumed once they witnessed and felt, you know, Athens, they would be like, I got to have this. And there, there is a different world. And this is, you know, I got to have this adventure. And then I realized that, that not everybody embraces that not everybody runs, you know, uh, just fearlessly and face first into newness. And that's okay, you know. Um, But from a discovery standpoint, I have a thirst for the you know, this year alone, along with last year, uh, the personality tests, uh, I talk about the Enneagram, yeah. just knowing, knowing myself, seeing my warts and all in a mirror and, and, and studying that kind of stuff has been, uh, I don't know that it directly ties to flavor, but just being unafraid to, to run into whatever it is bare chested. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate you sharing that story. Yeah. I'm going to go check out that philosophy. Yeah. So one, we were already going to do this as you're going to be getting a, a gift package from us as a, as a thank you. And we'll make sure uh, to include in there. Uh, actually, the, the first book I wrote was my interpretation of the hero's journey. So it's a book called Go For It. The bases, awesome. the stages off of it, uh, because I'll save you some time. If you go What's to the next stage, can you give me a heads up? Yeah, I can't do that for you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, so we can geek out on this if you want for a second, but I'll back up. So if I actually did go and research, so his book is called uh, Hero with a Thousand Faces. It is not interesting when you get into the weeds of it. Okay. I mean, this guy went so deep into Greek mythology and all this kind of stuff that like, even for me, uh, so I, I'm a believer, faith background, uh, was a pastor for 10 years. It starts to It starts to lose me in some areas. Uh, but the basic of it was so intriguing, like the basic stages, the basic idea of this, that my mind just started going crazy on my own life of scripture, of movies I had watched. Um, so I'll save you some of that time. It really, you'd have to get very, very, very heady for a long time to get into his deep stuff. Um, but what I want to call out real quickly for you that I think is really cool and important is that self-discovery piece, right? Like the, well, let me back up a second. You said not everybody answers the call. That's actually his theory too. So he would say the reason why we tell these stories is because it's so rare that someone actually goes through and answers the call to adventure. So he'd say like all the way back in the day when people were passing down oral stories, the reason why it was worth our attention is because so many people actually feel the call but don't do it. So that's the ordinary. The ordinary is to never leave your box. The ordinary is to never risk anything, never face anything, never grow and evolve. And the extraordinary is the opportunity that's available to everyone that only a few choose, Yeah, which is to say yes and go through a special kind of hell and go through facing themselves, go through facing their fears. So we, he talks about slaying the dragon, and that's internal. They're like, we're all looking for an external quest. But he's like, the external is just the overflow of the internal. You had to like face your own demons. You had to face your own fears and insecurities and, and fixed mindsets and things like that. And when you evolve from that, you have a true gift to share with the world, right? Yeah. Um, well, I, I don't know where fulfillment uh, lies on that that map, but you know, I've I've had a couple friends in the last several years 
they weren't with me at 11 o'clock at night when we're doing dishes. They weren't with me at 6 a.m. the net, you know, the next morning. They weren't with me sleeping in the minivan when I couldn't leave the newborn, which was, you know, gusto number one. But they said, you know, you're so lucky to have found your thing. You're you're so lucky to have found your passion. And I, I really think it's it's in there for every human being, but whether or not they answer that bell. Exactly. Or, they're, or they're willing, I think we're tied society, from a society standpoint to money, schools, you know, exactly. whatever these ordinary things are. Um, they just didn't mean, I just didn't give a damn, damn about them at that phase of my life. Thank God. Um, so it, 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 it let me go. It let me go and go and go without worrying about what other people thought about me and that, that that's one of the reasons why i lost touch and everybody's like what the hell happened to nate i don't i think he's waiting tables at a jewish restaurant you know like um i mean i literally had folks aren't you you play football you know could i get a refill on my coffee you know that is a humbling thing <laughs> um exactly you know uh but i thought it was funny and i use it as fuel you know so yes did, oh yes uh, did you have somebody that was like a Samwise to you when you're in that, you know, like, uh, this is the Lord of the Rings reference, but did you have somebody who was like, they kind of were the person that was on that journey with me that I just needed them around. Did you have that guy, that brother in, in arms in the midst that's, of that? that? That's interesting. Yeah. I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. Huge. Uh, that uh, story, by the way, follows the, the hero's yeah. journey character arc. All, I'm telling you, all your favorite stories follow it. The Matrix, yeah. Star, Lord Wars, of the Rings, Star Wars, all yeah. of it, yeah. all of it, dude. Well, um, I it's interesting you say that. I, I had a couple. I, um, the gal who is now my fiance, uh, I didn't know it at the time, but she was her name's Justine. She was kind of Samwise Gamgee, and it, it's interesting because I, I always kid her that I, I, I'm looking for an elf. Uh, just based on you know their magic and the way they look, but I realized yeah. that, that the hobbits are obviously the the heroes of the story because they're they're consistent, they're reliable, they're tough, they're willing to. The ring doesn't affect them. Um, Justine is is kind of that, but but also you mentioned mentor. There was a moment where I went and had breakfast, key breakfast, seven eight years ago with a guy named Scott Taylor. He is kind of now a big brother mentor to me. And I was I was in a tough spot, maybe one of those spots where it wasn't going to happen. Uh, and somebody goes and hangs it up. And he wrote me a check uh, at the diner we were at, slid it across the table and said, go get yourself out of this um, hole you're in, you know, because you borrow, you don't steal, but you you beg and you borrow and you, you yeah. know, you try to make, make it happen. He, he he slid a check across the table and said, go get yourself out of this mess and, and, and get going again. And I, I wouldn't have, Augusto wouldn't be a thing without his, uh, you know, generosity and his belief in me somehow as a human. Wow. God, that, we talk about that as well. Uh, Jordan, he, didn't want any, he didn't want anything, by the way, there was no, he just said, hurt. he said, when it went, when, when, when this, when you get the opportunity to do something like this in, in, in the, in your future, uh, just remember this, it was like pay it forward. There was, there was no debt. There was no equity, you know, it was just doing it. Just, well, yeah. that right there, by the way, I want to just make a note of as a true mentor. I've had, 
I've had plenty of people would I have no ill will in my life, uh, in my heart towards them that have, have, have been quote unquote mentors to me. Uh, but I would now put them in a different category because they end up needing something from me, right? <laughs> Where what they really saw was the opportunity of how I could help them build their thing or, you know, that, that, that it just was a different relationship than you think. And then I met a few people. We have one right now, a guy named Randy Dobbs, who's been, been that for us where he genuinely does not need or want anything from us other than just to be a friend other than just to be someone that could help you meet. And I'm like, that is actually what a mentor is. Right. I think that, that those people are comfortable in their own skin and, and they, yeah. they just trust the universe. They, yeah. they, they just, I mean, you call it karma, whatever, but it's just like, I just trust that those, those kind of folks just trust the universe. You yes. Know? Yeah. And I think there's, they have a different piece. Mm-hmm. I got to get there somehow, but <laughs> thank you. Thank you to my good friend, Scott, for that. Um, yeah. I didn't even ask him, but the generosity and benevolence, um, that, that is, that's a different kind of charity. Of course, there are people that are struggling and, and hungry and homeless and, 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 and all that, but um I could have fallen in the pit there and I, I couldn't, we, I wouldn't be on this podcast right now if right. You know, all these little things don't add up, you know? So well, that's what's so fun yeah. about the journey. If you look at the Lord of the Rings and then I promise we're going to get into leading your people. We're going to do that. Last thing on this hero's journey. But one of the things about the Lord of the Ring that uh, the Lord of the Rings that makes sense to me that I think I touched on the book is there's aspects of your journey that no one can do for you. Right? So if you look at the task that Frodo had of carrying the ring, there was many times in the story he wanted to give that burden to somebody else. Like he literally wanted to take it off and give it to someone else. And the reality was I can't. Like I've got to, I was the one chosen to carry the ring. No one can carry it for me. But he couldn't get to where he was going without the help of others. And so it was this unique interplay of like, the, what are the things only I can bear and that I have to uniquely do myself and find the strength within coupled with if you even think about the end of the movie, he's basically being carried to the top of the mountain. Like he can't physically walk anymore. And I've seen that even Jordan, the reason we start our company together was that like, we've been doing solo things and bearing our own burdens for a while and seeing success. But we're like, man, let's do something together. Like, let's have more of that. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. African proverb that you start recognizing the interdependence, not codependence or independence, but the interdependence that's required yeah. for great things in life to be done. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we all have whatever that cross may be, if we're willing to stare at it um, or multiple crosses, frankly, but I, uh, this is a good segue into um, I, one of my first hires was a guy named chef Sean and it, you know, he became a sweat equity partner. One of, one of my yeah. next strong hires was a, a Georgia Tech grad that worked for a gas company. Um, and she worked Saturday shift leads at Gusto number one just for fun. But wow. she ended up becoming general manager of that while I went and let go, tried to let go of the baby to open number two. She is now a sweat equity partner and a director of finance and accounting. Um, guy named Richmond Green. Uh, general manager of Gusto number two, um, former Chick-fil-A guy, sweat equity partner. So I, I definitely believe in, and we're all great friends and we have yeah. different strengths and weaknesses. Yes. I definitely believe in not surrounding yourself with yes people. Um, 
and we make ourselves better and we take personality tests and we try to understand what we're good at, what we're poor at and why, why you say this and why I respond this way. But the four of us are kind of leading this company and I just, I don't, I'm a team dude, you know, thank God I'm, I've been in, I've been in locker rooms and on teams my whole life. So it's just, yeah, there's a lot of ego and some, probably some narcissism and self-absorption associated with why I'm doing this. Um, if I can be vulnerable, cause that's in all of us, right? Yes. Um, but it's not fun without the team. It's not fun without busting each other's chops. It's not fun without having mm-hmm. fun and, and the cell, you know, so we're at a place where, we have a leadership team of about 12 of us and then we have seven shops right now and they they have their own leadership teams and our job is to serve and support um our leaders in in on the ground and and that is that is kind of an inverted chart we put ourselves at the bottom of the pyramid and chick-fil-a has been doing things like that for a long time we're kind of doing it our way but love the notion of servant leadership and and yeah my favorite thing to do is sweep floors and do the dishes and first of all it takes my mind off of things but second of all it just yeah. <laughs> those types of things warm your heart and your teammates heart when they realize that you're not above it you know so yeah man just to to relate to you because this was going to be one of my questions that i had for you uh, I was pumped when you had when we had like, oh, this guy's actually launching a a restaurant chain that's that's beginning to grow and be on the fast growing company list, and that was cool. But I spent uh, earlier in my career two and a half years pursuing the Chick Fil A operator route, and we decided that was not the the route that we wanted to go. But it wasn't because of uh, the the experience inside the store. I actually fell in love with the type of people that you get to work with, the challenges that it required of you. And I had a saying, which uh, I don't even know, I'm sure it's like not completely politically correct and is somewhat demeaning to one fr- uh, fast food franchise. But I used to say like, hey, Chick-fil-A is just one step away from being Taco Bell. And so no offense, Taco Bell, you know, you guys are great. But uh, in in our town at the time, like that, that great service that you'd get at Chick-fil-A and that great experience like we weren't, we weren't paying that much more, or maybe paying more at all than the Taco Bell. That was just two, literally just two blocks down. I mean, you could, you could walk to it. It's just right next to us, but a completely different experience when, when you're going to those two places and it had to do with selection. Absolutely. Like I think selection of the right person, but the leadership and the culture that was established yes. was just massive. It was like, it's just a little thing. And that's what I meant by like, just one step. Like it's just a very simple thing but it created this massive difference that is now, you know, an incredible national. I mean, it was already a national chain when I was there, but it's, I think the stores have even grown double in size from, from when I was working there in terms of how much volume they have going through now, which is, is just fantastic. But what I was thinking for you is it's gotta be similar. Like the, you know, whether you're paying them seven twenty-five or whether you're paying them $20 an hour, that's not, it, the pay isn't going to make the difference in terms of, of uh, the the quality of people or the quality of experience that, that the customers are getting or even the culture that's established. And so I was really curious just uh, to hear about you in terms of like leadership and culture. Um, what are the things that you're going, Hey, you know, when we invest in these things, these are making a great deal of difference. Mm. Um, this is really separating. Well, um, 
you know, first, you know, Chick-fil-A is one of the strongest brands on the planet. Uh, it's hard to even, it's mind shatter or mind boggling yeah. to think about, you know, how successful that brand is and that product is. And, you know, uh, it's an amazing thing as a business person. It's an amazing thing to hear story after story of somebody like you who think about it. They can't open businesses fast enough to fuel the studs that are in line to go run their businesses and make everybody more money. You know, what an amazing, you know, amazing thing. Um, uh, and on one small note there, I mean, I think there's a bunch of things we're going to copy or emulate. I mean, they're best in class. Why, why wouldn't we? Oh yeah. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, it's, it's still, it's still fast food and it's still a lot of fried stuff. So we, you know, we're not like competitors in in that regard, we're tiny little, little bitty, but we want to be a part of something that is a little different. Um, and, but, but, lifting the customer up, lift, lifting the guest up. Uh, we are absolutely going to follow a lot of their playbooks. And um, from a leadership standpoint, uh, I, I think I'll start with our, our what I call our, our brand promise. Um, and we didn't have a mission or a vision or a brand promise or, I mean, I've written 40 game plans or business plans and i highly recommend anybody wanting to do something to go try to write the plan out um i I, i'm challenged right now with what's the next year three years five years look like for gusto yeah that's damn hard that's damn hard like in new markets what money whose money who's operating it um but forcing yourself into those exercises um produces something it it definitely produces uh you know what you do with it is up to you but um what i was getting at is that for for probably the first three four four years of 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 gusto even though i clearly put a lot of intentional thought into the brand and the menu and all those things i didn't really have cultural statements you know, you walk into Whole Foods and you see like their mission on the wall, you walk into Chick-fil-A and you kind of get a feel for what they stand for. And I went round and round. And I was like, hey, it's good energy. It's bright. It's, it's discovery. It's awakenings. It's, um, but I finally wrote a brand promise about a, about a year ago and it's intentionally fostering growth. And the reason why it became intentionally fostering growth is because almost every conversation I would have with teammates or future teammates or interviews, the word grow always made its way into the conversation. It always made its way into the conversation. And that was a new team member making nine bucks an hour all the way to somebody wanting to be CFO of the company. Like the word grow uh, on the business side of things um, always worked its way in the conversation. So intentionally fostering growth, um, for, for me, it, it's the filter that everything has to run through. So when I talk about pushing people to try mangoes, that's, that's fostering growth. When I talk about designing a building in a, in a, in a cool way and trying to become meaningful parts of our communities, not, did you see there's another Zaxby's, but we got a gusto. You know, yeah. um, that's fostering growth in the community, not to mention 
uh, sponsoring the schools and the churches and trying to become foster good growth in the community. Easier said than done. Um, but more importantly, and most importantly, uh, intentionally fostering growth in our human beings. And that means um, on the personal side, teaching folks how to open a bank account, how to save money. Um, we're investing in, you know, daycare for, for our, you know, teammates, our men and women. We're okay. investing in them learning a second language. We're investing in, so whatever those, you know, the best places to work in America, they, they have that list of 25 things. We're kind of going through those buckets and saying out of these 25, which ones can we do now? Which ones are aspirational yeah. as we get bigger? Um, and intentionally fostering growth is a high mark of accountability. So if we're not, I stand up and tell our teammates, call us out, you know, yeah. call us out. This is, this is, you know, what the, 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 the big filter that everything has to run through. Um, we also have a values in action. Um, it's, there's eight or 10 of them, but it's all about, I'll, I'll run you through them real fast. We are Gusto's number one, which is uh, yeah. just the, the, it sounds simple, you know, we are Sparta, but, um, yeah. you know, whatever bowl we're serving in Avalon says something about me, whatever bowl we're serving in Decatur says something about the teammate in West Midtown. So mm -hmm. we are Gusto is juxtaposed very closely with the you and us. And yeah. that's important because we want to embrace individuality. Um, and I'll use Chick-fil-A as an example. They feel more like a unit and uh, things can be a little bit more rehearsed. And it's a, it's a slippery slope to give yeah. a human being some leeway. But we want to, like, a face tattoo doesn't bother me. I, I want Rachel to be Rachel. But what I say is that, you know, Julio Jones is Julio Jones. He wears a Falcons jersey. You know, yep. he's, he's, he's an Atlanta Falcon. Yeah. Um, but it says Jones on his back. And when he takes his helmet off, he's Julio Jones. So, you know, that interesting play between team and individuality, um, I like to play with. And it, it's personal for me because being a former quarterback, of uh, you know, it's that, yeah, I think we play good today. And, uh, you know, uh, offensive <laughs> line played good. And, I, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I'm proud of our guys and defense did good. And, you know, there was very little Nate and there was very little personality. You know, you, you fall into coach speak, if you will, or, or, or walk in the yeah. party line. So again, it, it can be a slippery slope, but embracing individuality, I think Starbucks does a great job as a brand. Um, for the most part, their team members get the job done and they do it well, but they, they also, uh, may be wearing whatever they want to wear may have a hat on. So those are values that we try to wear, uh, on our sleeve. We have some non-traditional values that came from our team ex experiences. These didn't come from Nate. One of them is lead with grace and one is first to listen. And those are damn hard to do. Um, yeah. leading with grace in every situation is so hard to do. Um, and, and what is grace in this scenario? I had a team mem member in, in one of our get togethers say grace is giving somebody something they don't deserve. Um, mm -hmm. damn, you know, um, that's hard to do. Uh, yeah. first to listen is just kind of like counter 
counter societal, you know, like we're not, everybody's talking about their position and where they're right. But if, if we can lean into listening, uh, yes. we think it's, it's, a, it's a growth opportunity, uh, be a pro in the restaurant business. I was just trying to bring professionalism to a, to a kind of a busted industry. Um, yeah. And shake yourself awake uh, was one of the one of the early ones, and I'll I'll, I'll shut up for a second, but I, I do need to get this out of my system. Shake yourself on, awake, man. shake yourself awake. Come on, man. Come on, um, preach it, Nate. Let's go. Shake yourself awake uh, is from a Dale Carnegie quote. Are you guys familiar with yeah Carnegie? Uh-huh. Um, famous author speaker, um, but. On my initial brand book that I used to raise the first $600,000 is a quote by Mr. Carnegie. It says, today is life, uh, the, the only life that you are, that you are sure of. Um, get interested in something. Uh, shake yourself awake. Let the winds of enthusiasm sweep through you. Live today with gusto. Um, that is... that. That would gave context to this word that can be pronounced gusto and, and kind of mean taste or flavor or good in other languages. Wow. So that is on my investor deck and we, we put it in our shops, but shake yourself awake for me is tied directly to awakening and food for me to, to, to constantly seek self-discovery, whether it's I need to be more religious or less religious or i need to s- stop smoking or i need to i need to exercise more it can shaking yourself awake i haven't really pursued it as a sub brand but mm. um that is one of our values in action right now and i'll give you an example how it plays out um new team member has no idea what cilantro is doesn't know how to spell it has never had a radish in her life and we're training her and we have everybody eat eat our food when they're training they got to be able to describe it and explain it and they you know this story repeats itself time and time again where a new team member says Mm-mm, never had a radish i won't those are weird i won't you know six months <laughs> honestly i could use you know slide any ingredient in there it, it goes for whatever uh, right uh, i hated tomatoes and mushrooms my whole life and now i can't live without them but that, you know, fast forward six months later, if that team member is still with us and still believing in us and we're believing in them and they're eating that same bowl that they were scared to death of six months prior and they can't get enough radish or cilantro, that is that is just trying to shake ourselves awake, man. That's um, right. Yeah. So, man, what I gave you a lot there, but no, that's that's beautiful, man. Uh, we're about to, to dive into the lightning round, but just to wrap that up, you, you guys have done. Uh, some really cool stuff. And again, the synchronicity of this is is so fun to watch. You have a core value of, of shaking yourself awake um, is the, is the, is the essence of a hero's journey, right? So they talk about it's going from sleepwalking to being fully awake that most people live their life sleepwalking <sighs> and that the way that we describe growth is when you've stopped, when you've woken up from your daydream, which you call your normal life and you've started actively participating like you're fully awake now, like you're, you're not, you're not blind anymore. You're not asleep through the, you know, one way that Ian Cron puts it is most people sleep, sleepwalk through life through the repetitive motions that they're used to going through the habitual way of approaching life. Right. 
And when you shake out of that, you wake up to new flavors, to new opportunities, to new people, right? And that's you being awake now. And every time we grow is us being awake to the moment. It's us being awake to the possibility and not just falling into the sleepwalking of society, right? So that I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, what's what's and, the magic to what's the magic to drinking that potion and being okay, you know? Because it's it's really you know, shake yourself awake is similar to that no fear campaign back in the day. And, <laughs> That's right. And, and, and Red Bull was a strong brand that embraces adventure. But I guess you can't answer that, Drew, for for every single human being, right? But right. I wonder, I wonder if there's a commonality associated with letting go. You know? Oh, hundred percent. Yes. So yeah. Another way of thinking about it. Uh, there's a a guy I really respect. He's a philosopher that basically says he thinks the greatest human addiction is the addiction to certainty. And so he would, he would measure someone's in his mind, he would measure someone's spiritual maturity on their ability to be, to live in uncertainty. Yeah. That, that, that is actually a sign of growth is that you are actually able to live in uncertainty because we're all addicted to trying to feel certainty, which is routine, which is comfort zone, which is, life as is right we feel like we have it mapped out i kind of know my way around here and growth waking up drinking that that potion like you said is being willing to leave the addiction of certainty to wander into the unknown and you can only do that when the pain of staying the same outweighs the pain of change right oh so that's something you actually can't i've noticed like you want to move people along you can't you can just offer the op the, the opportunity you can say here's yeah. the call to adventure here's the opportunity for growth but they won't do it until the pain of staying the same outweighs the pain of change, right? Where it's scary. And that's how it was for me. I was like, man, I'm actually more scared of staying the same, not even because my life was falling apart. I was just so tired of being tired. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, man, get, I'm, I'm just thinking about my own life and I'm thinking about, you know, the, the, the way that I could retroactively, um, talk about it, bringing it back to business and gusto. And I'm no better than anybody else. So why in the world was I able to, this is, I'm about to get in some psychotherapy with you guys, but bring it. Um, the, I think again, I, I'm no stronger or, or, or bolder or more, really more confident than anybody else. But I think that the elephant in the room that wasn't going to take no for an answer, it got fueled by discovery. It got fueled by uh, re wanting to recreate myself. It got fueled by, you know, wanting to introduce um, mm -hmm. small town America to mangoes, if you will. But it, I think the reason that I couldn't take no for an answer, and, and I'm going to hit y'all with some truth here and vulnerability is that, you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't accomplish the things as a college quarterback that I wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't win a Heisman Trophy. I didn't win a national championship. I, I've been around a lot of success. But when I go back on the therapy couch and I think about, all right, why didn't I take no for an answer? Um, I think one of the reasons was Bob Stoops sat me down. He was my head coach before the Texas A&M game my junior year, and I'll never forget it. He said, this is after practice. We're in an empty stadium, just me and Bob. We're sitting in damn chairs in the first row. And wow. he said, uh, man, you got the talent. You're Don't be afraid to be great. Don't be afraid mm -hmm. to be great. And I think as a college quarterback, I got, my, I, got, I got in my own way 
a little bit. And this is just mm. thinking back. It's all yeah, good. Yeah. It's all good sooner nation. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think not being afraid to be great, um, is one of the things that I had a chip on my shoulder. Um, and, and it's all in my head, right? Like, oh, the, it always the, is. you know, the people who love me don't give a shit about those types of things. Right. That's right. But my motivation, I think came from, I got to go be great at something because I wasn't, you know, it's daddy issues, it's societal issues, it's pressure. It's kind of, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what all those things were, yeah. but for yeah. some reason I didn't live up to the expectations I had in my head. And that's me being as truthful as I can, as I've, ever, as I've kind of looked back in terms of how I did it. Oh man. Well, yeah, just I say, uh, go ahead. No, I just want to relate to him for a second. Cause yeah, I was go. thinking about, so I, uh, maybe could have played college baseball, but certainly I was a high school baseball player. And it was so interesting to, to relate to you on the sports side of things. So my final at bat, uh, we were a state championship baseball team, nationally ranked. It, it was great. The The eight other starters all went on to play Division One baseball. Uh, a couple of them were on the South Carolina team that won their, their national championship during that time of, of their run. And my last at bat, you know, I really just, I'm like, hey, it's the last at bat. I'm going to swing as hard as I can. I remember hitting it, crushed it. I ended up getting around to third base. Uh, wasn't a triple. I, I think it was a, uh, it was just a single, but just rip one kind of went off the wall in center. I finally get around to third base and he goes, why haven't you been swinging like that the whole time? And I realized like I've played for this man for five years now. And I, and he never actually saw me swing for the fences. And that was, that thing has been one of those haunting things that go, man, if I had been playing like that, I wonder how I would have been playing my life now. I don't think I'd be where I am now because it was like this driving thing that I'm like, I got to swing for the fences. There's all these coaching practices that are just solo shows. I think we can build a firm. You know, I think I should, I should call my buddy drew up. He's kind of going this, his own hero's journey. I think maybe we can do something bigger. And so definitely going on a, a side tangent rift. But oh, man, yeah. I really appreciate that. Oh, really? I think it ties right into being afraid to be great. You know, what yeah. Coach Stoops told me, yeah. and it still comes back to letting go. Um, you know, yeah. but, but, but I was using in context of motivation, you know, if, if, if I was trying to answer the question, no, that it I, is. I asked myself, Drew was like, what's that potion? Yes, and again, yeah. I didn't have magic. I just had a massive void that I felt like I had to fill. I had no idea it was going to come out of the blender in the shape of gusto Yeah, in, man. in one of the hardest industries in the world. But here I am, and now you know maybe have the opportunity to influence for good. You know, yeah. So. And it won't be the last thing you do. We can talk about that offline. I have a feeling there's going to be multiple iterations of your hero's journey, like most people's are, and your creative spirit will want to start and create other things. Um, but I would say just just to, to wrap that up with a bow, Michael Beckwith uh, says that pain will push you until promise pulls you. That typically how the journey starts is actually a pain from behind you, pushing you. And then later it transitions to something positive in the future pulling you. And so I think mm -hmm. that's how it starts with all of us. It's that pain of potential where you're like, God, why didn't I swing for the fences? Why didn't I reach my potential here? And it eats at you from behind and, th and it pushes you out of your comfort zone. <laughs> and I say the same thing in my book. Like I wasn't actually that brave. I felt like I had no other option. Whatever was going on internally in me thrust me into this. Right. right. But then once you're there, it stops being something that you're running away from, like a bullshit story in your head or 
other people's opinions. It starts actually being something substantive in mm-hmm. front of you that you're like, no, I'm out. I'm now like, I'm being pulled towards that instead of being pushed by that. Does that make yeah, sense? All, all that's right on, man. I'm, I'm, I am no longer being pushed. I am being pulled by, yeah. you know, hundreds of other humans and, yes. and, and, and better causes. And, you know, it's, it doesn't make, you know, college football or getting a first down. It's, it's not about, you know, making those diminutive. It's, it's not about making those less important. It, it, it's just, it's a you look at life through a different lens. That's right. And I think that you are able to let go. And a lot of things have to do with how people think about us. And it's all about our ego. And we're all just so sensitive at when, once you get down to it, you know? So, yeah, I, I, I'm going to have to grab that book if you guys are oh, sending it to you, are, buddy. You guys are going to send it. But that makes yeah, complete that sense is that you get pushed, you get pushed by pain. Yes. But, but but if you if you if you can if you can get to where you're going, it's the pushing stops and and you almost get pulled up like a dad grabbing yeah. his. They get pulled by promise. By promise. I mean, that's how it feels. Yep. Pulled by the promise of what could be, which is yep. awesome. And it's a way, and that's a it's a pure fuel, right? So like if you think about what's driving you, everything's proper in its time, right? So pain pushing you at first is proper. So it's it's beautiful. But it's filled with all kinds of stuff that's that's uh, not not the best kind of fuel, you know. It's like <laughs> proving people proving people wrong. Screw you, you were wrong right. about me. And right. then it gets it, it, the octane switches when you're pulled by promise because it's more. It has nothing to do with that stuff. It's about realizing potential or serving somebody or you know building something great for the benefit of others. It's a pure octane. It lasts longer. It burns cleaner. Um, all right, we, we're going to talk more offline, man. This, this is great. Uh, I, I want to just uh, pause real quick and just ask, are you good on time? We're typically, we're past beyond where we, uh, where we booked you for. Do you have a few more minutes or do we need to wrap this up? Yeah, no, I'm good. Okay, well, let's do the lightning round questions real fast. Um, we'll just go through them. They're meant to be lightning, so you don't have to do a deep dive on, on the answer. Just give us the quick hitters and then um, we'll let you be on your way. Oh yeah. Let's go. Uh, question number one, if you could ingrain one message into your entire organization, what would it be? Uh, one message I think, uh, for all of our team members is growth. Um, uh, it probably comes as no surprise. Um, but it's just hard to find anything negative associated with growth. And I can even take saying goodbye to somebody, you know, pruning is a version of growth, believe yep. it or not. So Absolutely. I think, I think the idea of growth and looking through that filter. Yes. I uh, love that. Number two, what's the single best advice you've ever gotten about growing your business? Uh, that's a hard one. That's a hard one. But I, I think, I think the best advice I got early on was to keep blinders on. Um, and because I had, can we franchise this? Can we grow this? What is this? Can, can I give you money? Can I be a partner? Can I do, you know, but to keep blinders on and, and, and know that I was building something that had value uh, was the best piece of advice. And I'll say that it was also arguably the worst piece of advice because um, it also stopped me from networking and growing in, in other areas, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, absolutely. Man, that is, uh, it is like our strengths. We find oftentimes our strengths and our weaknesses are really just the same personality. Uh, number three, what causes you the most worry leading your organization? Um, the most worry, um, is safety. Um, we're in a human being business and we sell food. So I think food safety is scary because I re we rely on so many other hands and so many other processes. Um, and I think uh, human being safety associated with COVID and what that, what, what that looks like and feels like moving forward. Um, and, and, and then I would extend that to safety on social media and causes. I mean, we were, this new thing called cancel cultures coming out, like all these things are tied to, um, that safety zone, you know, but I think again, if you're bare chested and vulnerable and you really don't have anything to hide, uh, that's yeah. one of my favorite sayings is like, if, 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 if you don't have anything to hide, you don't have to remember the truth. You don't even remember half, you don't have to remember <laughs> what you said um, yes. because you, you don't have, you don't have things to keep up with, you know? Yeah. I love that. Man, uh, that's good. Uh, man, what's, what's the BHAG, man? What's the big, hairy, audacious goal right now for you? I think the, the big idea, again, um, is to uh, grow an iconic brand, to be so audacious uh, to, to say that the brand has legs to be iconic, um, that it shows up in the, in the Macons and the Augustas and the Valdostas and the... Yeah. Uh, Nashville's and as we grow regionally and you know God willing more than that uh, the big idea is that the brand can be around for as long as we want it to and if we continue to make good decisions and then I'll, I'll the cherry on top there guys is another part of my early business plan was it's hard to get better for you food in airports that can that can roll fast and our yeah. drive-through model translates to airports. So, you know, yeah. I guess in 20 years, if there's a Augusto and and Hong Kong airport or Abu Dhabi, you know, that Heck would be yeah. a that would be a neat thing, you know. Heck yeah, that's a good one. I like that. That's a good behag right there. Uh, number five, if you could hop in a DeLorean, we're gonna take you back to the future. You're gonna tell yourself one thing from the driver's side window. Uh, when would you go back, and what would you say to yourself? Oh man. Um, honestly, uh, I, I, I think, I think I would have, I would have gone back to maybe I wish I, sometimes I wish I could go back to junior high or high school and tell myself some of the things that I've learned now like be brave enough to be who you are, mm. not who you think everybody wants you to be. Um, and I, if, yeah. if I would have, if I would have been able to tell myself and I would have been able to, to listen, honestly, I might've been a general surgeon. I might be an architect who is designing buildings in Europe. Um, yeah. I might be a painter. I might be, you know, it's just, I don't, it's foolish to have regrets, but right. I think, one of my purposes may be similar to yours, Drew, and that like getting people to get awake sooner in life. I think it yeah. prevents bad marriages. I think it prevents bad decisions. I think it prevent, you know, these things are all connected. So oh, yeah. 
it, it, it requires courage. So just because I tell myself out of the DeLorean doesn't mean I would do it. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, I think that that's it. Yeah. And yeah, Keep maybe what, maybe what EDL is just be awake, you know. But what I've gotten it, you know, because no. you, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> church and Friday night lights and girlfriends and fashion and Tommy Hilfiger and I mean, truly, like all yeah. these things are weighing down on us in terms of what's normal. So, um, wake up is something I think we're all telling ourselves, but like having the courage to step into that is, uh, uh boy, it's a rare thing. You know, my I wife, uh, my wife is an artist and she, uh, she painted a, a piece back when we were uh, still dating. It was uh, a bunch of the, uh, the old Tootsie pop dum-dums all just kind of waltzing in a line. And it was all around, uh, you know, just how we, we just walk and we just follow the line um like a bunch of dum-dums uh, <laughs> yeah and then we need to wake up that was the the whole big call safety yes. you know it's a it's a safe place and and it's yeah. you know we could go on and on and on i certainly appreciate you guys you know bringing me on the show and it's been enlightening yeah. for me um i'd love to read some of these books and i'm gonna i'm gonna dig into the hero's journey so thank you guys absolutely man thank you for being on the podcast uh, honestly, the, your wisdom, amazing, but so is your vulnerability. Um, that's what made this, this conversation really fun. Cause you got to hear it opened everything up. It opened up, not just you, but it opened up the heart of your business. It opened up our journeys. Uh, so man, thank you for, yeah. for, for shaking yourself awake today, uh, and, and showing up on the podcast, buddy. All right, guys. Thank you, brother. Founders. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.